We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. right here on roto grinders week nine is approaching that's crazy to me i'm the luch i'm here with the chief will priester hey man i should have did a mental health check on you yesterday after the end of that carolina game but i figured i would just wait for the podcast to see what your reaction was taking off your helmet and celebrating and missing an extra point good lord chief what's going on are you okay man listen uh once again, I, I went into this season with very limited expectations for the Carolina Panthers. I'm glad they trimmed the fat, got rid of the Matt Rule regime. Happy for Christian McCaffrey that he's out of town and doing well in San Francisco. Um, Robbie Anderson's in Arizona. Just I, I'm glad everybody's doing their thing. DJ Moore is just being a stud every week now. But once again... I'm not expecting the Panthers to do much this week, this year. So, um, you know, if we needed to win that yesterday, and essentially I think we we competed and probably did win the game, but 
you know, it just didn't come together didn't, in in the uh, regulation time. Didn't come together in overtime, and there you have it. You know, voila, the the Falcons are leading the division, and we are not. And I'm okay with that as long as we continue next season to progress the right way. Couldn't agree more. We'll see what happens. The trade deadline is looming. Maybe we'll shoot from the hip here and talk about some of these names that are floating around the league and floating around Twitter that are supposedly in active discussions to find new homes this week. Maybe we'll talk about some best fits. But there's plenty to take away from this week's NFL football action. Uh, in the DFS world, we'll start, we'll start there. With Ezekiel Elliott being ruled out, Tony Pollard, fairly priced, came in at just north of 60% owned in the $100 single entry on DK. Uh, both of them, though, by the way, both contests with the uh, highest prize pools. You know they open up a million single entry tournaments, but the two biggest $100 ones, um, he was 60-plus percent. Crazy. As he, he should have been. He should have been. Smash spot. Um, and boy, like, at this point, I think he's just better than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, look at some of the numbers when he's at opportunities. He he certainly passes the eye test, does he not, Chief? Yeah, look, and I saw something with Michael Irvin on the on the TV today with first take, Stephen A. Smith's at home. And Michael Irvin is saying, look, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is very important to the success with the Cowboys. And I, I'm actually going to agree with him here. Um Tony Pollard is electric. And I mean he's just he's just legit good in this offense. But I feel like he's like the backup quarterback that gets the work. But then co- you come to soon realize that hey, he's actually he's the backup for a reason. And obviously Tony Pollard is I just feel like he's the 1B to the offense or the 1A, however you want to slice it, right? Like, I don't feel like we get that performance every game of the season. You get what I'm saying? Like, I I think Ezekiel Elliott provides his value whether he looks good doing it or not. Like, you know, pass protection, picking up some of those heavier yards, you know, at the end of the game, wearing down a defense when they've already got the lead. Like, look, the offense was was crazy yesterday, and Tony Pollard did his job. Zeke was going to be out, and he went in and did his thing. But we're not going to see Tony Pollard do that every week. Like, he's not Christian McCaffrey, and he's not Alvin Kamara. Or is he? I guess we don't know. Uh, and, and I think that's probably what it is. The unknown has us wondering with this type of performance, hey, you know, how is this going to go? You know what I mean? Now – if given the opportunity to be Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara type, does this work? It probably will. Um, but I, I still think, you know, as of right now, he's not the guy. And until the Cowboys decide that he's the guy, you know, he's going to give us these splash performances. I love to see what happens if Zeke doesn't play this week. I, I, I agree with you. I think that, they're both they both complement each other pretty well and i'm not throwing any disrespect on anyone's names from the early 2000s here but it's almost like a light version of the thunder and lightning tiki barber ron dane combination that the new york giants had but 
I think maybe the workload could flip a little bit here. And, you know, maybe you give Pollard 60% of the opportunities and Zeke 40 to do the bruising, the goal line work between the tackles. I think Pollard should be involved a little more in the receiving game. And I did lose a little bit of coin on him in some early season receiving yard lines that he just was not getting targeted. Was that a Cooper Rush thing at the time? I don't know what the answer is, but Pollard is the superior pass catcher out of the two, I believe. And, you know, he got a little thunder lightning, a little smash and dash here between the two of them. I think, you know, in the right scheme. And if I'm the OC here, I'm licking my chops, you know, killing more. I'm thinking, wow, I got two shiny toys here, two shiny cars. I need to get them both out of the garage and figure out how to get them both some mileage on the highway here. It, it, Pollard just offers another dimension to this offense that I think you can incorporate with Ezekiel Elliott uh, also playing. I mean, heck, even New Orleans went back to using a little bit of Mark Ingram before he got hurt with Alvin Kamara, you know, kept them fresh and things like that. So we really don't have any true workhorses in the NFL except for two running backs in the AFC South. And we'll talk about the Tennessee Titans a little bit later. So nothing wrong with a little salt and pepper smashing dash thunder and lightning here. Pollard's role should expand, in my opinion. Should he be the only guy on the field in the on that team in the backfield? No. Should he see ninety percent of the snaps? No. I think we're shaking hands on this one that Ezekiel Elliott has an effective role on this team, but I think it could be reduced just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Uh, and essentially, it's getting reduced by by injury at this point um, because we saw it reduced the, the previous game where you know he was in there, and, and honestly, Zeke was going to run all over Detroit. So let me just say, what we saw from Pollard yesterday is what we were going to see from Zeke against Detroit if he doesn't take a big shot in the knee. I mean, Zeke had what forty eight yards in, in the early first. Like Zeke was on his way to a monster game. But when we didn't get a chance to experience that because he was hurt half the game. And so Pollard ended up, you know, having all, all the explosion. I'm not a Zeke truther. I'm just saying I don't think Tony Pollard's a every down back like we want him to be. And so if, if you have Pollard 60, Zeke 40, I, I think that's reasonable. Um, I do too. I do too. You know, uh, but, but I think the thing too is you can also have them in some two running back sets to keep the defense off kilter because if, if Pollard's in and then you bring Zeke in on, you know, third and two, well, what do you think's happening? You know, or, or it's, you know, second and, and, and one and Zeke comes trotting in the game. Like, okay, you, you're going to become very predictive. And I'm not trying to insult Kellen Moore. Like I know he'll probably just, he would also run some play action type things off of that anticipation. Like I, I understand the game, but um, you know, that that's the tricky part with Zeke. The other tricky part um, as we know, Luch is whoever's getting paid the money is who's going to play. And right now, Zeke is still under that big contract, and they're not getting their money's worth if he's playing forty percent of the snap. That's and and that's just kind of how it is in the league, right? The guys that are getting paid, they want their money's worth, and so that that's another, I think, underlying thing that we probably people won't think about, but it exists. Zeke is getting paid more money than Tony Pollard. They don't want they want to win, but they want the guys that are getting paid the money to play. No, I, I, I hear you and, and I think you're right. I, I think two running back sets should be dialed up a little bit more here. Sometimes when you have two guys that serve different purposes, 
you don't want to come predictable on offense, right? Oh, player XYZ is in the game. You know, they're gonna hit they're gonna hit the A gap with him. Like that's what they always do when he comes in, that kind of thing. So I think I think both guys are versatile enough that uh I don't think predictability will be an issue if you use them both. Also, you made a good point about Zeke was on his way to a big day against Detroit. We also can't sit here and pretend taking nothing away from Tony Pollard at all. He looked great. And I opened up this conversation giving him kudos here, but we also can't sit here and pretend that the bears are good against the run to any capacity because they're horrible against the run. So, Hey, Dallas trending in the right direction. Talk to me a little bit about Dak Prescott and you're waiting for this game and then we'll move on. I mean, I, I, so, Dak is obviously, right, the catalyst to the Cowboys actually winning games. Like, Cooper Rush came in and did his job, and I've got tons of respect for Cooper Rush. When the backup quarterback comes in and you lose one game, but you win, what, three? I think, was Dak out three weeks, four weeks? Something like that? He, either way, he only lost one game. He did his job. He kept this team afloat, and in some games, more than afloat. Um, you know, and, and in one game, I remember, I mean, he didn't even have, well, he had 100 yards passing or less, you know, and they still won the game handedly. Like, that's what you want him to do, not lose the game. The game that they lost, guess what he did for the team? He lost the game for them with turnovers. Like, that was on him. And then guess what happens after that? Dak comes trotting back in, and this team runs wild. Like, like, and I knew week one it wouldn't quite go there because, you know, Dak needed time to catch up. But this was his second, what, full week of practice, get in a rhythm, and suddenly this team's dropping uh, almost a 50-burger pretty much. Um, 49 points in an NFL game is nothing nothing to sneeze at. That's a big statement, whether at home against a Bears team that, that you may think is good or not good because of Justin Fields. Justin Fields improving, but, you know, th- that was a statement game to me, um, and they needed that game to just continue to build on that confidence. Uh, because their challenge is coming. We got to see what happens in this, in this next meeting with Philly, right? And they got to build on that. So, um, I mean, I think Dak played phenomenal football yesterday. But here's what I know about the Cowboys. We're not going to see this same team every week. Like, can they have consistency throughout the season to really get it done? And that's the thing about sports. The human element kicks in. Like, sometimes the Cowboys, God, they just – they shoot themselves in the foot, don't they? Like every year, they they, they start out and you're like, oh, this team, okay. By the end of the year, they're doing stupid stuff, losing games they shouldn't lose. It's so, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, and there goes that. But that but that played great yesterday. I guess we could just stick in the NFC East here. The Eagles taking care of business. No issues with the Eagles. Rolling over Pittsburgh in the Battle of Pennsylvania. A.J. Brown, when he's healthy, guy's a top 10 receiver in the NFL, unquestioned. Tournament winner on the DFS streets, A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts going off, too. No one wanted to pay up for him. And if you played that pair, you were probably sitting pretty. Uh, It was a crazy high-scoring slate, though. A lot of people going off, a lot of chalk going off. But... The Birds, I mean, hey, they can't help who's on their schedule. They're playing whoever's in front of them. But this is a game where if you are the real deal, you want to put bad teams away. 
Uh, I can't say Pittsburgh's bad, but they're not great. <laughs> but the Eagles yeah. did their job, right? And they put the game away hand it, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, look, man, this is the league, right? And and I say this the same thing in NBA. Loose down baseball. I don't I don't worry about it as much. It's such a long season. Like weird things can happen, and you can still like run away with the season in baseball if you're really good, right? And sometimes in baseball, the best team isn't going to win. It doesn't matter how good the Dodgers are. They're going to lose to the Reds one or two games. You know what I mean? It's it's how it works. But in football, Luch, you don't have the margin of error to lose to a team you should beat. If you're the better team, you have to win those games and win them early and get out of town, right? Go ahead and run away with it. And that's what I saw from the Eagles yesterday. If you watch what they did in that first half, here's what they said. A.J. Brown is better than your secondary. And I'm going to prove that to you right now. I'm not going to string this along. We're not going to give you a chance to say, oh, we can hit. No, no. I'm going to prove it to you immediately. A.J. Brown, our receiver is better than your secondary. And guess what happened that first half? A.J. Brown tees off. And the Steelers never recover. They they don't even get up off the mat. They don't they don't give them a chance to do anything. And that's what you have to do if you if you want to win and be there. Um, so I, I much respect, much respect to the to the Steelers, man. Much I'm not the Steelers, the Eagles. Much respect to the Eagles, bro. I hope they're able to put the pedal down and, and do a little bit of load management towards the end of the season. AJ Brown's gonna miss a game or two. It, it's every season of his career. He he's just one of those guys. He's a physical specimen, but he like something's gonna happen. I, and I, I know, and you can say you can't say that, Luch, but like sometimes history does repeat itself. So I hope they take care of business and they're undefeated. So they're certainly on their way to maybe having an additional quote unquote bye week for the Eagles when it matters, or a light week of work. You know. Go through the motions, play a couple series toward the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but they have proven to be extremely dangerous this season. And kudos to the management for going all in. Bringing in Robert Quinn last week. And he hasn't had the greatest season. But you want to talk about veteran leadership and even more scary depth. Uh, I tell you what, your job's a lot easier when you have a bunch of big boys on the defensive line that are also good with you. So, uh, the Eagles bolstered up their front as well, got another win. You want to mention anything about this Giants-Seattle game? You were a little surprised with the G-Men. Well, I'm surprised because of how they lost, right? I did expect them to win this game. Um, I still think Brian Dable has his team playing fine. I'm not going to let one game change that. But once again, Luch, there has been a culture change in, 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 in the Giants' Uh, a building, and, and I'm going to stand by that. But here's what I will say: the very games, when, when when it comes down to it, these are the games you have to win if you want to push it all the way, right? And and so, and this is one of those games where it's like, all right, if they win this game, they're, they're really starting to get set up for success here. Now they're still in the thick of things; like they can still get in with the wild card. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, if they wanted to kind of stay up there in that in that 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 kind of upper tier, 
the upper echelon air, if you will, they had to beat the Seahawks and they didn't get it done. And so now what they've done is they've, they've taken a step back in their division and the Seahawks are taking a step forward, right? And because in their division right now, you have to keep winning games because the Cowboys and the Eagles keep winning games. And if you can't keep pace with the guys in your own division, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for them in the end. And so um, they just, you know, they, they didn't play as well as they should have. And lo and behold, you know, Geno Smith does exactly what he needs to do to get this team across the finish line. Who's in first place in their division? The Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Absolutely. Seahawks. We talked about the panic meter and the LA Rams for the past three weeks. The panic meter is broken. It, the, we ran out of numbers. We ran out of numbers. We're, we're panicking. We're freaking out. I mean, yeah. their issues are real. And if that wasn't finally put on display against the 49ers on Sunday, uh, then you know, you're a little bit irrational. They, they got some things they just cannot cover up. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, look, here's, here's what the Rams have done. And I think their organization has to accept that, Luch. And a lot of times I think perhaps we don't want to accept the things that we've done to gate this whole problem. But they got what they wanted out of the deal. And that, and, and and you have to you have to look back. Did we get what we wanted out of this deal? I'm gonna use a Lakers analogy here, Luch. Go with me. Listeners, go with me here. So the Lakers go and get LeBron James. They go and get Anthony Davis. They mortgage away what I feel like was probably a great part of the future of their organization to win now. We had a pandemic. The playoffs resumed. We had this play-in type tournament. The Lakers are already in. This is, you know, roughly two years ago. LeBron's slightly younger. AD's able to actually finish a playoff series. They beat the Miami Heat, who played really well in the bubble, and they got a championship. So when we look at the Lakers today, and they don't look great, and, you know, everything's going haywire, and they're a one-in-five team, and people are now saying, oh, Father Time is catching up with LeBron, Anthony Davis is glass man, what is this Russell Westbrook isn't working? Here's what the Lakers better look back and do. They better say, you know what? We made this bed and we're going to lay in it. But we got what we wanted out of this deal. And that was a championship. It might not be a championship every year. But we got what we wanted out of the deal, whether the the general public likes this team or not. Because that's what they wanted out of this deal, right? Right, Luce? They wanted a championship. They got a championship. Now. The Los Angeles Rams essentially pulled out the same thing. You go and sign Odell Beckham. You go and get Von Miller. You, you go and get Matthew Stafford. You, you go and get these pieces. And what happened in year one? They won the Super Bowl. This year they're awful. And I don't care what Sean McVay says or the upper Guess what they have to do? They have to look in the mirror and say, you know what? This year we're really bad. 
But did we get what we wanted out of the deal? And the answer is yes, Luce. They have a championship. They wanted one. They got it. So, hey, they're a crappy team this year. And until they fix all the things they need to fix, they're going to continue to be crappy. In fact, Luce, they may not even make the playoffs. And, and that's that's the truth. Like, they, they may not make the playoffs. The Seahawks and the 49ers are absolutely ahead of them right now in the pecking order. Uh, you know, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings are going to make it, right, if they, if they keep winning. The and Eagles and the Cowboys. from the NFC East. Right. The Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants may all get in. Absolutely. So I, I, the Rams probably aren't a playoff team, but they got what they wanted out of the deal, and that was a Super Bowl. It's like, would you rather go all in, get your Super Bowl, get it, or not go all in, rationally build your roster, and hope to have a ceiling year one year, and maybe have a, a window of like four to five years where maybe, maybe you get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're not guaranteeing it. But I don't in know the NFL, guaranteed. I think a team would rather go all in and get that Super Bowl, and hey, whatever happens, happens. And I and you know what? You can't even say that the Eagles are doing that because they still have a ton of draft capital with with all the trades they made prior uh, to the season. The Eagles are set up very nicely. You still got Jalen Hurts on the rookie uh, deal window, which is massive. So, so the, the Eagles Super Bowl window is not only this year, it's probably for the next three seasons at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. And- and, and let me say this too, because because you mentioned something about the Super Bowl being kind of a, a repetitive thing. Like you look at the Bills, you look at the Eagles. I'm even going to say the Giants for, for this reason. For this reason, the Giants have kind of built that team through the draft a bit. Like their their two best players or their two star uh, offensive players in terms of Daniel Jones, not star, but you get what I'm saying. Daniel Jones got they got him through the draft. Saquon they got him through the draft. And then everybody else, well, Sterling Shepard, they got him through the draft, but he doesn't play much. Uh, Wandale Robinson, they got him in the draft. You know, he seems he seems to be an integral piece. The Eagles got a lot of these players through the draft for some, you know, uh, a different side. Like Devontae Smith, they got him in the draft. They got Miles Sanders in the draft. They got Hurts in the draft. But they made one big splash, and they went and got A.J. Brown. You look at the Bills, they got uh, Josh Allen in the draft. They got Devin Singletary in the draft. They, they build a lot of their, you know, a fair amount of their defense through the draft as well. They go and make one big signing. They go and get Stephon Diggs, right? So they didn't, they didn't go all in in one season. They've done it over the course of a couple seasons. And so now what you're seeing is what could possibly be, and, and I, even though they're not winning Super Bowls, I would say the Bills kind of have an organizational thing going on. It's, it did start with signing their coach, right? Like getting the right coach was also a part of their identity chain. But they've got this organizational dynasty that they've built versus the Rams, who kind of had these pillars set up. And then they went and said, hey, we're going to go and add 50 more pillars, but none of them are going to be here this year. But we'll get our Super Bowl, and we'll be fine. What a difference six months makes. Eight months. uh, Tough sledding uphill battle for the Rams, for sure. And they had questions since August. What's up with Stafford's arm? He had surgery? Is he hurt? 
etc. Whatever. And then they laid that awful egg on opening night against Buffalo. And uh, you know what? They're going to be about a 500 team uh, is my best guess. And uh, we'll see if they get hot and can make a push. But you're right. They are definitely in the backseat right now in terms of looking at the playoff picture in the NFC. I wouldn't, I, depending on how this season unfolds, I would not be surprised to see someone like Jalen Ramsey flip to a new team. How do you fix problems? If you can't make all the trades in the world, you got to go back to the draft. You got to figure out what pieces you have locked up that make the most sense economically and talent-wise with ceiling, but you're going to have to get rid of some to get some new ones. And we've heard Jalen Jalen Ramsey rumors in the past. Uh, I think he's someone who um, you know might want to play back on the East Coast just from some things I've read as it is. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams knocking on the door if Jalen Ramsey's available to any capacity, even though he hasn't been fantastic. But collectively, that whole unit outside of Aaron Donald has been pretty bad this season. Let's go to uh, to somebody else. Let's talk about a new team. Sunday was crazy. So, yeah, which game or takeaway for Elf in the Room do you want to hit up next? Well, uh, is Josh McDaniels a good coach? I don't know. He seems to be great at being an offensive coordinator. When the- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Responsibility isn't all on him, but man, as a head coach, I think he sucks. Uh, you can't. I mean, Josh Jacobs been playing fantastic football. You go out and get Devonte Adams, and you lose twenty four zero to the Saints. Like not twenty four seventeen, not twenty four twenty one, not twenty four twenty four, and then losing overtime on a field goal. Like you lose twenty four zip. Like I don't, I don't know if Josh McDaniels is a good head football coach. I do think he's a great offensive coordinator. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to understand your strength. Like, you may not be head coach material. But as an offensive coordinator, you can go out and make any team great and get paid. If I'm Josh McDaniels, man, maybe I just say, look, guys, just let me be the offensive coordinator. I'll step down. I want to stay here. I'll take a pay cut because I'm a great offensive coordinator. Let's go and get a head coach that can get this thing going here, and I can just focus on Carr and Devontae and Jacobs and make sure this offense is humming along. Because right now, that that's not even going. I can't argue with you. Just an embarrassing, embarrassing 
outcome. And the AFC is kind of tough too. You have a lot of teams sitting at five and two, five and three. The Raiders have already lost to some of those teams in terms of potential tiebreakers. One more loss, and I think I'm ready to bury them outside of some immaculate streak of eight or nine wins in a row or something crazy to get back on the right foot. I think this season's most likely lost for the Raiders at this point. And, you know, personally, and maybe I'll take some crap for this too, but I've always had some doubts about Derek Carr. But in his defense, you and I have this conversation on this podcast. How many coaches has he had? How many systems has he had? He's had lack of talent for a while around him for sure, right? And we had this conversation a couple weeks ago about is Darren Waller even good at football or was he just seeing incredible volume from Derek Carr when there was no one else there? And you know what? I know he's been battling some injuries, but when he was healthy, he didn't really impress either one of us this season now that the volume was going somewhere else. But there's a lot of people that are very unhappy right now. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are headlining this list as well. Maybe they should have just worked it out and figured out how to take a little bit less money or something like that. And maybe we wouldn't be talking about Aaron Rodgers every damn week on the show. Yeah, which, you know, once again, Aaron Rodgers goes down again. But it but but watch, but but here's the thing, Luke. You're not gonna hear me talk about him as much this week. Why? He was probably playing one of the best teams in football. And so I'm not, you know, I don't have much to say about Aaron Rodgers this week other than he loses again. But, you know, you're playing the Bills. I expected them to lose this game, and they did. I'm not, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Almost covered the plus 10 and a half, Luke. We were close. 27-17, if, if Josh Allen doesn't throw two interceptions, we probably cover it with a little bit more ease. But he got us at the end of the game. But either way, like, as you can see, the, the Packers aren't a good football team. Uh, those are just the facts. Aaron Rodgers, Packers, not a good football team. Uh, but, yeah. Geez, Josh McDaniels, man, he, he's 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 awful at leading this football team right now. So I don't know, um, I, I don't know what's happening there. Last but not least, in terms of our our uh, you know weekend rewind, is how about and this is gonna, this is gonna make you excited. How about King Henry putting the team on his back? And willing this team to a win against the Texans. Uh, I mean, another big, big performance by Derrick Henry, who, dare we say, is fully recovered from that whole foot ordeal. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you the floor, my man, and shut up and let you do your thing. But uh, Tennessee, yet again, starting out the season rocky. But now that now that this thing is all coming together, they very they very well may be leading the AFC South before this thing is all over with. What say you, my friend? Well, before the season, I pounded on the table just about everywhere I was. Scores and odds. I went on VEASAN for a live show. And I, I basically went on a television network and said, you got to take Tennessee at like plus 170. Like, come on. Why are we handing the Colts this division? And I was on an island. I was on a freaking island, Chief. And I don't always feel great investing in teams that I'm a fan of because as much as you have to be unbiased in our sport, sometimes 
that's okay to bet on the team you think's in a good position, even if you're kind of a fan. And I tell you what, this is the Titans team that all the analytics are always going to hate. They're going to take some lumps. They are playing 90s football, ugly football. They do not belong playing in 2022. Like, they don't belong in this league because they're, like, trying to fit a square peg through a round hole. Who else is running the ball 40 times a game in the 2022 National Football League? And you know what? Ryan Tannehill <laughs> has taken a lot, of, a lot of shit the last year. A lot. Totally – Totally choked that Bengals playoff game away. We wouldn't even be talking about the Bengals. Like, totally, everything would have changed. That that was totally in Ryan Tannehill. However, although he's been very much so subpar in the playoffs as a Tennessee Titan, he has been pretty damn good in the regular season. Last year, he had absolutely nothing to work with. And we're kind of seeing the same thing happened again last year AJ Brown missed a handful of games Julio Jones barely played and he was throwing the ball to Marcus Johnson Chester Rogers uh and uh you know Westbrook Akina for like two-thirds of the damn season what happens this year Traylon Burks goes down dealing with turf toe who I was really excited about and I think he will you know develop and and maybe turn into a star I think he is going to be that good you know Robert Woods is he an alpha number one receiver no is he a perfect number two receiver for any team in the league? Absolutely. So we, again, are having all these issues with injuries. And it just, you know, back-to-back years. Last year, Tennessee shattered the record with using the most bodies uh, in a single season in the NFL. And they were the number one seed in the AFC. Sure, they don't p- play in a fantastic division, but they still got the Colts. They still have a bunch of AFC teams on the schedule, like the Bills, who they beat last year. They also beat the Rams last year, who were the Super Bowl champions. So... It, they're, they're just an anomaly. The Titans are an anomaly. And then you go into last week, Tannehill is in a walking boot. He got hurt at the tail end of the Colts game two weeks ago, which he finished, and they decided not to play him. One, because Vrabel had confidence in Derrick Henry to get the job done. And two, Kansas City Chiefs are on the schedule next week on Sunday Night Football. So you got to get that guy, Tannehill, um, who has you know flashed some ceiling games. Uh, and... So Malik Willis went out there, and I can go to bed comfortably knowing that he is not ready to be an NFL starter. And that's fine. That's fine. There's a reason he slid to the third round. He was the first quarterback taken in this draft, Chief, because his athletic upside was second to none at the position. And I still think he can be a very, very good quarterback. But I think he had under 60 passing yards. It was like... Tennessee ran the ball 17 straight times at one point in the second half. I don't think Malik Willis threw the ball once. So I know, I know it was the Houston Texans, but correct. They stuck 11, 10, 11 guys in the box and Derrick Henry and this offensive line were still able to gash them. So I, I, I think, I think this is what the Tennessee Titans are. I think they are a flawed football team as most teams are the chiefs, the bills and the Eagles are the three most rounded rosters uh, and and coaching staffs in the league. And then I feel like you can pile 16 to 17 more teams in the next tier of five and three, five and twos. I don't know. But any of these teams could get hot and have a couple ceiling games in January and, and, you know, maybe do some damage. I think Tennessee could do that because they are different. They will run the crap out of the football. And the defense is pretty good. I mean, the Bills absolutely rolled them. But Tennessee had a bunch of injuries, and a lot of their starters have came back. I tell you what, 
uh, I want a team that can run the ball and play football, and uh, we'll see what the Titans bring. I, my, my expectations are tempered because I think offensive uh, coordinator Todd Downing is completely inept and terrible at his job, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be polite here. But do I think Tennessee is going to win the AFC South? I do. Do I think they're going to host a home playoff game? Absolutely. And um, I don't know what their ceiling is, but uh, they really need Traylon Burks. And maybe they're a candidate to to be aggressive and make a trade at the deadline. We'll see. The deadline is basically here. And uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Titans or if you want to springboard into some of these trade rumors we've been hearing about. I do want to talk about the Titans briefly. I will say Luchas. I think the game plan that they put together for that game was the game plan they should have put together for that game. In my opinion, when you when you have a rushing attack that you know can, in a sense, overpower the opposition with a rookie quarterback that's not ready, then that's what you do. And so I think they used their strength to their advantage. And in fact... You know, if Malik, if Malik Willis needed to pull the ball and run it, he probably could have as well. Like he, I mean, look, he, if at nothing else, Malik Willis could have popped him for a forty yard, forty yard dash if he had to, right? Like, let's let's say they were down by three with five minutes left. Obviously, I think they're going to run it with Henry, but you know what else I think they may have done, Luch? You know, run four wide, put Henry back there, run run basically a you know. A, uh, not an RPO, but some option read. Got Henry coming downhill. The lineman bikes. Malik pulls it and takes off. Like, if nothing else, I think the game plan was, come hell or high water, we're running this football today. We just want to get out of here with the win. We'll figure out what's going on with Tannehill next week, right? And so I think in a, in a scenario where Malik's raw, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely think Malik's raw. He, he's, you know, he's got to work it out. But in a situation where they had to pass, I think they would have done more preparation for that. What I think we saw yesterday was, hey, guys, we're, our preparation this week is let's make sure our running game is as tight as possible. We don't want to miss any assignments. We don't want to miss any block. Like, look, I saw Derrick Henry cut back one and get into the end zone, and he was untouched. This was at, like, the five-yard line. Like, did you see that play, Luke? He was untouched. I said, my goodness. Like, they, they didn't even touch him. So I think that was the game plan, uh, you know. So Tennessee this week, they have the Chiefs. I, what I will tell you is, right now, Luch, is this. And that's a Sunday night game. But you already know this. I'm, I'm saying you, you already know. But if Malik Willis has the quarterback this team, they will be throwing the ball this week. They, they can't not throw the ball in this scenario. Now, I, I do think they will try to run the ball and they'll run some some uh, some play action. I think what they'll do is they'll move the pocket for Malik and give him half the field to throw on. So maybe we cut the field in half. We say, hey, this play we're running play action bootleg right. Whatever you see that's open, get it there. If not, don't make any mistakes. Just don't you know throw the ball away or turn the ball over, right? I mean, don't turn the ball over. Throw it away. If you get outside the pocket and nobody's there, throw it away. We'll figure it out the next play, all right? Next one, we'll run Henry. Let's see if he can pick up eight. All right. Next one, hey, Malik, you got it. Quarterback draw. Next one, let's run a quick RPO, you know, wide receiver screen outside, see if we can pick up eight. I think that's their game script for the first two to three drives in that game. 
if Malik has to play. You get what I'm saying? Nice, safe throws. Doesn't have to read the defense too much. Handoffs to Henry. If they can't stop the run, we're going to pound it down their throats. Maybe we'll pull one and take one big shot. Malik, all you got to do is lay it out there, buddy. Just throw it as far as you can. We just don't want the defense to catch it. Right? Like, that, that's what you have to do with a young quarterback with a potent running game. Protect him. Let him get it done. And then let's see what happens. And uh, I think that's their formula for the Chiefs. The problem is I think the Chiefs may score too many points for them to keep up. And that that's that's where they're going to be in that weird dilemma where it's like, okay, do we continue to try to run the ball like Green Bay did last night against the Packers? Like, I mean, against the Bills, like, do we still continue to try to run down 21 and keep our game script? Or do we try to pick up the pace here and pick up some points? And I don't think they can do that with a young quarterback against that team. No, they, they definitely have to play with a lead, and they definitely would need one or two of those football plays to break in their favor, whether it's a loose ball, you know, something to flip the field one or two extra times. Um you know, kudos though to Vrabel and and this team being five and two. I know the division they play in isn't great, but they swept the Colts, sweeping anybody in your division twice, especially your biggest rival, the Colts. Who I'm not trying to victory lap here, but before the season, the the, the division was the Colts' division. It was already won, right? And now they're on to Sam Ellinger, and it's not even Matt Ryan, and we're halfway through the season, but. You know, you look at Mike Vrabel, and you arguably lost two of your three best players. Um, Taylor Luan out for the season, you know, anchor of that line for how long? You probably know Taylor Luan from podcasting Twitter, from Barstool's Bustling with the Boys. He's a pretty damn good lineman, too. You lose Harold Landry, who had 12 and a half sacks last year. ACL, didn't even play it down, right? Traylon Burks was missed the last month. He was supposed to be the, the best A.J. Brown replacement you could probably get in here. Um, and there's been so many other notable injuries that this team has dealt with yet again. And uh, they're they're going to be a playoff team. I don't know what their ceiling is. Uh, we'll see what happens with Kansas City. A little terrifying when you give Andy Reid and Mahomes a full extra week to game plan for anybody. So uh, the Chiefs coming off the bye. They'll be ready to rock and roll in Arrowhead. So got to temper your expectations. For the record, I think Tannehill does play this week. But yeah, uh, the odds are against them here. And. Uh, I'll temper my expectations with the Tennessee Titans in Arrowhead. But with the King, anything's possible, I guess, right? So Yeah. yeah. And then last thing for me, Luch, uh, uh, this is separately. I'm going to get into a deep dive on this. But I just these are some honorable mentions, and these are quick hits. Just going to mention one or two things, and then I'm done. Dolphins go to go to the Giant. I mean, go to the, the Detroit, pull off a win, two a place great, push the ball down the field. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle go berserk. And then – the Vikings win yet again. So they're, the Vikings are pretty much running away with the NFC North. I think unless they have a meltdown, we can all but guarantee them that division. And I think the Dolphins are probably, as long as two in the game are playing like this, they're probably guaranteed their division. Just wanted to mention those two teams. Well, give, I'll give you one more. Are you done with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers this season? <sighs> Who Who's the best team in the NFC South? Like, honestly, it's probably the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> or, or, or the New is. You're right. Or, or, or the New Orleans Saints. It's probably one of those teams. Yeah. The problem is 
who who might actually still be the best quarterback in NFC South despite their age? That's Tom Brady. It's yeah. this weird conundrum of, you know, as much as we haggle Brady and this team and they're bad, when the chips are on the line, does he dig this team up out of a grave and get them humming along to win eight more games? Seven more games. Like, if they win six or seven more games, they're probably going to win a division. Because because down the stretch, we're pretty much playing each other at this point. So where do you think some of these high-profile names will go, if anywhere? What do you think of Kareem Hunt, who plays on Monday Night Football, by the way? Is there a fit for him? Could Kansas City be calling? Do we do we add another player to the backfield of the Kansas City Chiefs? Who I think do, Kareem do you Hunt think he goes play. back there? Like, uh, I don't know, man. So, okay, here's my question: Who who's a contender that could actually use him? And then who's someone that's right on the outside looking in? that he could probably help big time. So I'm going to be honest with you, and this is going to sound really weird. In terms of contenders, and I'm talking about true contenders that I think he could go out and help. I, I, I know, I know they've got some, some running backs that, you know, they have there. Don't you think he'd be a good fit for Miami? Like I, I'm, I'm so serious. Like I don't have anything against Raheem Mostert, but Kareem Hunt, man. Like if they gave Kareem Hunt the Raheem Mostert role, this team would take off like none other. Like Kareem? they'd essentially be unstoppable at on every level. Like it'd be Kareem's insane. Got the juice. Kareem's got the juice. It's just aside of Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb's the second best running back in football. So. You yeah. only have so many touches in a game, especially when the game script's not in your favor sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, could you imagine him going to Miami and he's number one and Raheem Mostert's number two? Like, it, it'd, be, it'd be stupid because you've got Tyreek who's going to get his 10 targets at a minimum, it seems. You've got Waddle who's on the outside. He's going to get his eight to 10 targets. And now you throw in Kareem that's probably – who's now a, a pass catching back that's also a bruiser. Do you know what I mean? Like it would really open up this playbook to where you probably, they probably score, I would say on 70% of their positions. Like they, they legitimately be that good on offense. I, I, I think he could go to the Dolphins. And then now if we talk about teams that are, let's say, slightly on the outside looking in? Like, how do I got you one feel? For you. I got one for you. I- I've got one as well, but I'm gonna, you, okay. you give me yours, and okay. I'll give you mine. Uh, I'm looking at the other end of the Tom Brady game, and every running back that is suited up for Baltimore has had some kind of notable injury. What's really going on with J.K. Dobbins? Gus Edwards is only supposed to miss a week or two, but that could linger. But you give me Kareem Hunt with some RPOs with Lamar Jackson. Listen, we know they want to run the damn football anyway. Otherwise, they would have put some more stock into bringing in some wide receivers and not let Marquise Brown just go like that. Right. Football team, adding Kareem Hunt to the mix, 
divisional divisional foe though do you really want to give them up to one of your division rivals we've seen that narrative be put to bed in major league baseball where they're just trading it doesn't matter who they're trading with anymore but the nfl is such a different beast i you know obviously there's no good blood between baltimore and and cleveland um but at the same flip of the coin you know maybe 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 that stigma can be put to bed that we can't trade within the same division yeah for sure no i i agree Ironically, we ended up on the same team. Wow. We ended up on the same team. And here's why. For all the reasons you mentioned. I'm not going to repeat them, but one I am going to hone in on. I'm just going to hone in on this one reason. They need a running back that they can come in that can be reliable and somebody they can trust. And they just haven't had that. I mean, they're running Kenyon Drake. They're running Gus the Bus. You know, J.K. Dobbins is now hurt again. Like, here's here's what Kareem Hunt will also do for that offense. It's going to open it up for Lamar. Kareem can catch the ball out of the backfield probably better than half their wide receivers they have right now. Mark Andrews has been hurt. They need another weapon, right? They, they They can flank Kareem Hunt out, and he can catch passes like, it would definitely help them big time. And it would give Lamar a couple easier throws because most of the time, guess who Kareem's going to be on? A linebacker. Guess who Guess who? Uh, Mark Andrews is going to be lined up against? A linebacker. So now you've got two of your best weapons in the passing game lined up in advantageous situations. And that's only going to help Lamar. So they won't have to push the ball down the field to, you know, God knows who. Like, look, I like Devin DuVernay, but, I mean, you know, he's okay. You know, their top wide receiver's been hurt, Rashad Bateman. Give him one more weapon this season like Kareem Hunt, and I think this team, I mean, they run away with the division, in my opinion. I got – I'll try to wrap this into one one thought here. I am taking my, my Tennessee Titans fan cap off, but, man, if you can figure out some money could there not be a better fit right now than either trying to acquire DJ Moore or Jerry Judy? You're, 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 you're in such good shape to win that AFC South. You know, get someone to take the top off of that defense. Maybe you get Traylon Burks healthy towards the end of the season, and, you know, you have Traylon Burks, DJ Moore, or Jerry Judy, and Robert Woods. I think you could do some damage in the play-action game there with Derrick Henry uh, to try to shift some of that top off the defense, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Um and I think DJ proved yesterday just how explosive he can be given the opportunity. I mean, that second half he had yesterday was one for the ages, really. I mean, and not, and not just the big Hail Mary catch, which almost wasn't a Hail Mary if you actually watched the play, Luke. Like, did you see what happened? He kind of ran down fields, kind of jogging, turn, and then all of a sudden he just turned on the Jets. And just outran everybody. He's falling in zone with the football. And the DB and the safety, he's got like two steps on them. Like if you watch the play, it really wasn't a Hail Mary almost. He literally just out he outrouted the coverage. I mean, it, it was incredible, really. I mean, it just so you know, he's he's probably gonna be gone if if people are willing to give it up. If Tennessee could go and get him. I mean, man, he – and it's always odd acquiring somebody midseason, right, because they kind of learn the playbook. It's just, 
But, you know, if having another receiver to occupy the secondary sometimes is good enough. Like if he comes to, if he comes to Tennessee, the, the DBs have to say like, uh, all right, we have to honor this. Like, even if he's just running down the field, somebody has to stay with this guy because if he's, oh, we're done. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I said this earlier in the season. The Titans scheme got Corey Davis paid. Corey Davis thrived in that. I mean, no no slander to Corey Davis. He's a fine professional wide receiver, you know, but he wasn't like $90 million worth it. But the scheme is so easy to play in when that running game's cooking. I'd love to see a DJ Moore in that scheme alongside a Bobby Woods and Traylon Bricks. Uh, you know, it's funny, like trying to figure out who's actually in the market to buy wide receivers right now, especially after another week of football shaked out. So it's kind of like, all right, Green Bay, you're three and five. Like, is Aaron Rodgers throwing in the towel? Is he still like banging on the GM's door to acquire somebody? Do you think you can actually compete this season? Like, is Green Bay actually in position to buy? I, I don't know what the answer is. Denver's rumored to sell, and they're just a hot mess. New England's four and four. They're not one to really make midseason deals for for some star power. But you know, uh, a rocky start, and you're still five hundred in, in the AFC playoff picture. Could New England finally buy a receiver that's not Jacoby Myers? Uh, you know, no offense to Jacoby Myers, but uh, they need an alpha receiver as well. The Giants, the Giants, like that's fine. Like Wando Robinson, that's cool. You got some pieces here, Darius Slayton, but. Man, can we bring it? We're a six-win football team right now as we're recording this podcast. The Giants should be in the mix to at least kick the tires on bringing in a DJ Moore, a Jerry Judy, or, or anybody like that as well. Yeah, man. I'm with you. Like, that, that That feels good. Feels good. Let me Let me ask you this. I mean, those are some of the names that have been heavily rumored to be moved. Are, are the Raiders in position to get rid of anybody? Like, can we see like a Hunter Renfro get moved maybe or a name like that? Uh, I, I don't think the Raiders want to do anything. Like, they just want to get out of this season and then see if Josh McDaniels is the head coach next season. <laughs> I know, but shouldn't you just start doing something? Because if you never do oh anything. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I don't know. Are there any other buyers for big-name receivers? I, I mean – Kansas City, like there's the elephant of all elephants in the room. Is the rich gonna get richer? Is Kansas City gonna bring in one of these stud receivers? And tell you what, I'd be a little scared of Judy 
Juju, Travis Kelsey, and three other speed guys, <laughs> you know, Hardman, MVS. Lot to game plan for there if you bring in yet another weapon for Patrick Mahomes. And we've talked about the Chiefs. You've talked about the Chiefs. They're an organization that will bring in talent to help. We we've seen it. They're in you know Sky Moore. They go down and draft Sky Moore on top of bringing in Juju. They got MVS. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw the Chiefs do something. If nobody else is willing to make a move, that Tuesday deadline is coming closer. You know, uh, if the Broncos are serious, if the Panthers are serious, they're going to want to get some kind of compensation for these guys. Yeah, man. I mean, money is the name of the game, right? That, that's how it's got to work. I mean, if you got the money and you got the pieces to move, you, you can make things work big time. You can make things work. So I will see what happens, my friend. We will see what happens. But I, I'm, I am excited. I, I do think I, I'm probably more excited about this NFL trade, trade deadline than any other in the past couple of seasons because this could definitely change things for a few people if they make – like, for instance, I don't – I think we saw yesterday – what Christian McCaffrey does for the San Francisco 49ers just by being there. And, and look, I, I definitely think they used him slightly differently or, or more because Debo was out. But think about that. Debo was out. And his offense exploded. Imagine when he comes back and you've got to count to them and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like making the right calls to the right teams to get the right guy can turn your season around quickly. And they're doing it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Who, who watch this, suddenly looks really good. It's a scheme. Shanahan is a genius. Good Lord, is he just good at his job. So damn good at his job. So you're, you're right. You nailed it. Hey, let's look, let's look at a couple games for this week in our look ahead. And it's funny because a couple of these games I'm I'm most interested to hear your takes on and that I think will be competitive. In August, if I would have flipped to week nine, I would have said, no, this thing won't be competitive. I'm looking at the schedule. <laughs> Here we go again. The Green Bay Packers on the road at the Detroit Lions, who teased us yet again that they can almost be fun and competitive. And they were kind of fun against Miami, and they blew a lead. And they were competitive. But, boy, boy, would you come on this podcast next week if the Detroit Football Lions get a victory against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts. What, what, you know, what do you think about this one here? Can the Lions beat Green Bay? So, listen. <laughs> I don't my, – my, my, my mind is telling me no. But my body would be yes. <laughs> oh, God. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Lutz. The Green Bay Packers better not lose to the Lions next week. Because if they do, you everybody knows what's happening next week. If, Green, if the Green Bay Packers of Wisconsin lose to the Detroit Lions of Michigan, okay? It's going to be real ugly on this podcast for Aaron Rodgers. And, yes, it, and it should be. And I think everybody will, will agree, whether you agree with my takes about Aaron or not, 
if they lose this game, it, it food for thought. We might have to record that Sunday night. My mind is swimming, no. <laughs> we had to get it. We had to get it. I think, oh, the, the best sound effect ever. I think Detroit wins this game. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, why not? Oh, no. Looch. I, look, I, I'm genuinely picking Green Bay to win this game, but because they've, they've, gosh, what started out to be such a fun team, look, they kept up with, okay, in, in our defense, they kept up with Miami yesterday and were in, in control of the game, and Miami's a better team than Green Bay. You, you may be onto something here. Um, the, the problem is the Packers want to run the football, and they're going to be able to run the football this week. Yeah. Like, no, no no, doubt about it. Aaron Jones, he had over 100 against Buffalo. He better have over 100 against this week against the Lions. And then they're going to back that up with uh, God, my guy from Boston College. Jeez, what's his name? Um, the other running back. A.J. Dillon. Yeah, A.J. Dillon. Sorry, just his name eluded me temporarily. Uh, A.J. Dillon better add another 50. Like, that's how they win this game this week. Aaron Rodgers, honestly, shouldn't have to throw it but maybe 20 times, if that, for them to win this game. Like, Aaron Rodgers should not be the reason they win this game this week. He should be the reason they don't lose the game, if that makes any sense. Because, and I'm only, now this, and this is not an insult to Aaron Rodgers. This is a, this is more of a game plan thing. So yeah, this is not an insult to Aaron Rodgers. What I'm saying is they shouldn't need Aaron Rodgers this week to make many throws. Like they should be able to run the football effectively. They should be able to score running the football effectively. And as long as their defense plays well, they should be able to slow down the Detroit offense. If those things don't happen, lose, and they end up in a shootout with the Detroit Lions, and the Detroit Lions win this game, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on, I mean, he's going to be a rotisserie chicken on this show next week because he's going to be, uh, it's going to get ugly real, real fast. Dare I say he just needs to manage the game and he can come away with a victory? He should. Like, you don't have to be the bad man Aaron Rodgers that everybody thinks you are. If you want to win the game, you go out and win the game and do it the right way. You, you can't run the ball 40 times against the Bills. They didn't run it 40 times. But my, my point is you can't run the ball down – you know, 20 points against the Bills, and then don't run the ball against Detroit. Like, that that's going to be idiotic coaching. Here's the problem. He might have to throw the ball 35 times because of Detroit. Come on, Detroit. Stack the box. Make Aaron Rodgers beat you. Aaron Rodgers can beat you. But Christian Watson got hurt last night. Alan Lazard is hurt. Sammy Watkins is going to get hurt at some point again. They are depleted already. And I'm not making up excuses for Aaron Rodgers. What I'm doing here is I'm saying, you know what Green Bay wants to do at this point of the season with the personnel that's healthy. Put eight, eight and a half, nine, eight and a half guys in the box, nine guys in the box, and make these lackluster wide receivers win some man routes. Throw the man coverage out there. Put the heat in the kitchen. It's great if if Aaron Rodgers is throwing a good ball, that's great, but the receivers still have to win. And I don't know if these guys can, Chief. So I kind of do like Detroit, but – how about the other game? 
Atlanta and the Chargers. How, how about that game? Like a, a suddenly like that could be a very good game because I'm not sure what to think about either of these teams. It's just been such a roller coaster of a season for Atlanta and LA. Yeah, man, absolutely. I this game really does have have pretty good playoff implications. If the Falcons win, they continue to and they, they they're still ruling the division right now. They continue to stay ahead in the division. If the Chargers win, they kind of stay in the thick of it, if you will. Um, this this is a big game for both of these teams. I actually think the Charger, the Falcons are going to win this game though. And here's why. So I Chargers flying all the way across the country. Falcons are at home, starting to pick up steam, starting to play well, starting to get some mojo. And the Falcons are going to run the football. And then they're going to let Mariota just kind of throw when he has to. Uh, I, I like the Falcons here. I, I think the Chargers come out sluggish. Yeah, I think Eckler could could really have a massive game. As a receiving back against Atlanta here, um, so I'm a little I'm a little torn, but I'm kind of leaning to maybe taking that over 48 and a half. I see on most books, so kind of do like the over. Um, a couple other big games. I mean, just in terms of teams that need wins, since half of this league is jumbled in terms of record, the Colts three four and one at the Patriots four and four. I mean, that is just a big conference game. You know, the Colts looking back to get to looking to get to 500 ish. And the Patriots looking to get ahead of the curve there, uh, for multiple reasons. So that that that's screaming an ugly competitive game between the Colts and the Patriots. I think here, I would just like to think that New England can get it done at home against Ellinger and you know rookie quarterback going up against uh, Bill Belichick, which I'm still buying into that narrative a little bit here. So I think the Patriots win an ugly one here against the Colts. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, I, I got nothing against that. I, I still think Bailey's average should be starting, but hey, who am I? I know. You're right. I, I, I'm with <laughs> you. I, I can't argue with that take. How about Seattle and the Cardinals? Uh, decent little road test here for Seattle. I know Arizona's not playing great football, but how about the fantasy football asset DeAndre Hopkins has been since these came back just dominating the target market share, the area market share. He is the Cardinals offense right now. I would expect Seattle to get it done on the road, but I think these two teams are a little bit more competitive, especially with Seattle on the road than maybe the public uh, is perceiving right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about Newt because I think maybe we were we kind of had to figure out how is this going to go, and maybe we didn't, right? Maybe we didn't have to figure it out. But how are they going to use him? You know, were these other guys still going to be involved enough? And I mean, the way it looks right now, Luke, what what are they going to do when everybody's healthy? But I think that's a big question because Nuke is pretty much taking everything, and so. What's this office going to look like when all the pieces are there and together and humming along and rolling? Like, I think that's a, I, I think that's a big deal. Um, you know, and, and look, they didn't play bad in this game. Like in, in week eight, I don't think I mean, it was 34 to 26. Like they had their opportunities. Um, but, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had 12 catches for 159. 
Rondale had seven for 92. What happens when Hollywood Brown is back? Right? What happens when James Conner comes back? Like, how, how does that change this offense? You know, Zach Ertz had four for 34. So, like, they've got some pieces to, to make some noise here. On offense, like, essentially, they should be just as explosive as any other team in the league. Well, you got Hollywood and Nuke, Rondale, and now they, they added in Robbie Anderson, who can who can fly a little bit. Like they should essentially be in the in the upper echelon of offensive play. So how does how does that come together? And then does it get to the point where teams have to now keep up with them as the pieces come back? I, I'm not sure, but this this is an interesting losing team. It sure is. It, it definitely is, and. Um... It comes down to Kyler Murray. It really does. We've seen, we've seen some some lows out of Kyler Murray. We've seen some highs, but you know, we saw him lose his cool a couple times in the sideline, yelling at his. Coach. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, literary reference for anyone that, that wants to know. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll power through these last three games. I want to bring up. How about the Vikings and Commanders? The Commanders and, and Taylor Heineke suddenly playing 500 football. Uh, Minnesota on the road here. Could be a sneaky competitive game, I think. Sneaky competitive. I'll let you provide your analysis on this, Lutz. I will hop in on the back end on this one. Wow, Vegas has it as a three and a half point spread. The Commanders are just a better football team with Taylor Heineke at the helm than Carson Wentz. We're getting Taylor. We're getting scary Terry the ball. I I, I said on this podcast that I love the Brian Robinson story, but Antonio Gibson's the better back, and he got a little more work. So it looks like the coaching staff's kind of doing what I was hoping they'd start doing. And if you're able to get Scary Terry the ball, if you're able to get Antonio Gibson the touches he deserves, and if you just play a little bit better than Carson Wentz, I think you can be competitive. Now, I, I think the Vikings are a very, very good offense, and the defense is playing uh, respectable in its own right as well. I don't know. I just think, uh, you know, the road trip here is – I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think the spread is, is kind of accurate here in my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean <laughs> – Here's why I should provide your analysis. Are the Vikings going to actually say, hey, we're the better team and come out and win this game? And then just go ahead and stomp Washington and get out of town. Like, that's what they need to do, right? Like, you can't, you can't, you, you can't just start beating the upper echelon of teams in the league, which they are, and let teams like this hang around. Now, I know they're on the road. It's going to be a you know, tough game, per se. But, like, they gotta win this game handedly, and so that that those are my thoughts. Like the Vikings are six and one, right? Seven and one, six and one, six and one, six and one. You better not struggle with the Commanders this week. Go in there, take care of business, go back home winners, and keep running it up. Because you're going to win. You if you win this game, you, you're pretty much essentially you're almost guaranteeing you're going to win a division now. They're seven and one. We're halfway already already halfway through the season. Like, get this game and go home and get ready for the next week. 
How about uh, we will go to <laughs> the Rams and the Buccaneers? This is desperation week. This is what this is. This is the turning point of some seasons potentially for some of these teams that are hovering around the 500 mark. You got the Rams and the Buccaneers, who we talk about pretty frequently on this show. They both have problems. They both have problems. And it's kind of ironic that this week of some of these games where these teams are three and five, four and four, you know, whatever is happening right after the trade deadline, because maybe they'd have a better sense if they wanted to be buyers or sellers after some of these big, you know, sandwich games to get over the 500 mark or not have happened. So like, for example, if Green Bay loses to Detroit, why would they even buy? Why would they even buy at this point? So for Tampa Bay and the Rams, and I don't think either of them are in position to buy, but you never know. You never know when you're better in deals, some smaller moves here or there. Who's going to win this football game between Tom Brady and Matt Stafford? <laughs> like, this is the game. Uh, and I have no clue. Uh, I have no clue. Like, Luz, this is this is an ugly game. I'm going to side with the Buccaneers because they're at home, but I don't feel great about it at all. Yeah, I'm going to side with you, and, and, and I'm going with Tampa Bay. And we didn't even really talk about that Thursday night football game with Baltimore, but that was a very winnable game for them. They had many chances to – to really win that game, especially in the second half, and they didn't. But um, I, you know, I just think I think they can hide their flaws a little bit more than the Rams can at this point. So the Rams have zero run game, and that's bad. Like totally one dimensional offensively, and when you only have one guy in Cooper Cup making plays, it's not so hard to figure out where to shade your coverage to. I think you touched on that last week when you have one guy just you know controlling so much of the target market share. Of course, he's fantastic, but it's so predictable where the ball's going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's one of their organizational flaws, I think, on offense. Like, I love Cooper Cup, man. and But he can only be the best receiver in the league if you allow him to be the best receiver in the league. And I don't think they're actually giving him a chance to be the best receiver in the league with how they're using it, which is every play. Like – Get, give him some relief so he can actually beat defenses, right? Like, actually do it. Like, he's beating them anyway, but, like, imagine if he had real help and he could catch passes wide open 40% of the game. Like, he'd be unstoppable. Got to get him some help. I agree. Let's end it on that note. Uh, we'll wrap that up. I want to hear if you have any story time for me or any GPP food of the day. Got anything? Yeah, so uh, went out, took some engagement photos on yesterday. I mean, and we just had such a great time. Um, it, it was just great, man. And it, But it started to rain. And so our photographer, which is one of our friends, shout out Dwight, um, he, uh, as it started raining, we were... Uh, so we, we took pictures at this waterfront park. And once it started raining, we thought, well, maybe we'll have to wait around. Maybe the session will end. No, no, no. Dwight began improvising 
got us up under some canopies, you know, got us up under some, you know, some, some other things in some dry areas. And I mean, it just became the most fun uh, photo shoot ever. And so shout out Dwight. Um, I know he's not listening to this, but shout out to white man for, for really showing his artistry and his work and uh, being able to turn this, you know, turn it into to an amazing time. So that's my story time. And, uh, you know, it's had, had a real good time. That's awesome. Uh, I was at a brewery called Rising River Brewery with some friends yesterday, and uh, they had two acres on their property. They had a couple different bars with cocktails, wine, um, and then beer that they brew. And they had, like, all these chairs set up next to different campfires. They had a little river. Um, they had games in the yard. It really felt like you were at someone's picnic, so that was really cool. Um, but like most of these breweries have um, that are good, they partner with food trucks and things like that. So, it's, you know, less overhead for them, which is great. And, uh, you know, you have so many different local tastes coming in and they know the public's coming in. Um, and and I, I'm not like a, a huge French fry guy, but uh, every now and then I'm in. But I had these French fries pork on them. And they had a hot sauce on them as well. And I know I'm talking to you. Uh, in the south there and in Charleston and you know you know your spice so um when people make fries or potato type size like you throw do people throw some heat on their seasoning or like some what, what kind of hot sauces do you guys use on like fries or any sides like that down there oh uh, well listen you know one of the first things we're going to do at our house is we're going to go to our cabinet and pull out uh you know our Gotham Okay, well, that's what we're pulling out from Scotty Peppers. Shout out Scotty Peppers. Uh, man, listen, that, that Gotham hot sauce, my gosh. Uh, that London boil flavor, obviously my favorite. But, um, yeah, down here, man, they do all sorts of stuff. Um, jalapenos, peppers, onions, you know, you name it, they do it. Got to love it. Yeah, that Gotham hot sauce Scotty has is pretty good. I frequent mine as well uh, from – the cabinet and the refrigerator, but let's get out of here, man. Chief, where can people find you on Twitter? At Chief Justice 06 and uh, hit me up anytime. Cool. Look me up at the J Carlucci and we'll close it out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed some of our conversation here and we'll see you next week. So for the chief, I'm the Luch. Enjoy and good luck. <laughs>